In my experience, LinkedIn is one of the most underutilized social media platforms by people in real estate, particularly real estate investors. And the thing with LinkedIn is a lot of people are put off from using the platform because they feel it's very stiff and very business focused, which it is to a point, but it's definitely changed. They're not trying to buy that perfect product or service. They actually want to see that the person behind that brand is aligned with them. That's my guest this week, Angela Mulrooney. She's a former dentist with an interesting story as to how she ended up doing what she does now, which is helping her clients influence themselves and captivate their own prospects through content, predominantly on LinkedIn. And in our conversation, Angela shares some great insights into what you should, and in particular, what you shouldn't be doing on LinkedIn to make that happen. Hit people over the head with a pitch on your first message. I have had LinkedIn experts on the show before. In fact, episode 11 with John Nemo has some great insights into LinkedIn. But what I liked with Angela's conversation was that she approached it from a different way and a different angle. One way is not the right way or the wrong way, but this approach might be the one that suits you. Find out more after the break. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. If you're looking for the REI branded podcast, you are actually in the right place. We recently renamed it, but the content is the same, helping you to build your brand and business, reach more people, and stand out from the competition. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are, because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Angela, thank you for joining me. And uh, just before we got started, you were telling me that you're joining us from Nicaragua, which but it's going to appeal to a lot of people in the audience because there's a lot of real estate investors that listen to this show that definitely have the, the customize your life mindset. Sounds like you're living it, which is great. LinkedIn, I think I did look it up and I think I'm one of the first 500,000 people on the platform. Wow. Uh, so I've been on LinkedIn a long time, but of course, when it started, it was just like really a, a glorified resume board, I, I would say. Oh, cool. it, what is LinkedIn now? Let's kick that off for people. And what is LinkedIn? Why should people be paying attention to it? So LinkedIn still has the ability to be a job search platform, but it goes way beyond that. People want to see the person who you actually are, even if they're searching for a job or if they're looking to do business with you. So it has become one of the major personal branding platforms for professionals. You can build corporate pages and everything else, but Corporate pages aren't favored. It is the personal brands that are favored that are going to be picked up more by the algorithm, put out there to your audience more often. And the reason that has really changed that the personal brand has become super important is people have changed the way that they buy. They're not just trying to buy that perfect corporate image. They're not trying to buy that perfect product or service. They actually want to see that the person behind that brand is aligned with them social justice, all these things have come to the forefront and people want to see 
Am I supporting someone who shares the same values as me or am I supporting someone who is completely different and I want nothing to do with them? So the ability to put yourself out there and showcase who you are, not just as a professional, but as a real human being is where you can actually really win with LinkedIn. Why is that different from something like Facebook or Instagram or any of the other social media platforms? Facebook, the original users are still, we still think of it as like, cute cats and food pictures and all this kind of stuff. Yes, there has been a rise in business use of it, but a lot of the mindset on there is different in the way that we consume information. Instagram is more of a visual platform. It's a bit, I would say a little bit fluffier. It's more about the aesthetics, not about the braininess. So LinkedIn is full of smarty pants. If you're going to put yourself out there, you better be a smarty pants and you better be having something to add value-wise to your audience. Otherwise, it doesn't go over very well. You can put lots of personal stuff out there and it will win for a while, but people actually want to see the substance of, are you actually brilliant? Are you a master at what you're doing? And if you're not, then you're probably not actually going to step forth into the limelight and share your information. So this is a like a unique combination of both the people want to see the personal aspect because they want to see a human, but there's that expertise or thought leadership that needs to be delivered at some point some point. Is that what you're saying? Sure. People are there to learn. So they're there to connect. They're there to learn. They're there to showcase. So when you have those three things going, you've got the perfect storm for building an amazing personal brand to showcase what you actually can do for people. So when you're thinking about thought leadership, what are the sort of things that people need to take into account or what do they need to consider when they're trying to put themselves forward as an expert or a a thought leader? And what for some people, what even is thought leadership? So thought leadership really is showcasing your unique journey, your unique experience, and sharing that generously. Now, a lot of people, when it comes to getting on there and showing their information, they're afraid someone's going to steal my information, or they're not going to like me, or I'm not going to do a really good job. And so you have to be very intentional with how you're putting yourself out there if you are going to be a thought leader. People who are considered to be thought leaders aren't helter-skelter throwing things all over the place. They're not chaotic with their information. They're very intentional. They know what their master's at, they stick with their lane, and they go deep with that lane. And what are the tools or how do you do that on LinkedIn? What are the things that you recommend people, I guess, first and foremost, profile? What are the the things that people need to be thinking about uh, with their profile? So there's all these little pencils in the corners of every single section. So if you go and find all the pencils, it will show you exactly what you need to do. So every section should be filled out, especially your about section. And a lot of times people still have their past about sections, which is really a cover letter for their resume. That's not appropriate anymore. People are going to look at your about section. They want to see your story. So tell your story, tell it in first person and take them down the rabbit hole of what you've been through why you're doing what you're doing and where you're trying to go. That's how you win people's hearts. There's featured sections where you can take content that showcases what you're really about. Maybe it was speaking from a stage. Maybe it was an article that you wrote. Maybe it's your book. But you can have this featured section of content that is higher up in your feed that shows people a few things that maybe they should take a little bit closer attention, pay a little bit closer attention to. You also have your experience section, which you have as many characters per job that you have had in your experience section as your about section. So you have the ability to tell the story of what you did in those companies, how you leveraged your expertise to help them to win. And 
whether you are trying to showcase your expertise as an entrepreneur or you're trying to showcase your expertise to get that next job, that experience section, you have so much opportunity to showcase that to get yourself higher up on someone's list of choosing to work with you. And when you're thinking about that expertise, is do you recommend people only put in expertise relevant to what you want to either be known for or are already known for? Or should you go all the way back? I know my recruitment days many years ago, we used to say 15 years on the resume, that's it. Don't go back any further. Is that, yeah. is that would that be similar for LinkedIn? Because I'm thinking relevance as well for people. Yes. If you're an oldie, you might have more experience than that. I work with people who have been in their industry for 40 years as well. And so they will showcase their whole thing. Okay, people are probably not going to scan all the way back to the beginning of time for your expertise, but it also is useful to actually showcase all the companies that you've worked for, especially if you've worked for some really big names. You may have started out at a big company like Goldman Sachs and continue to work up and make some really big impacts in your industry. So it is important to actually have that listed just in case someone wants to dig really deep into you because people do want to actually get in there, get some social proof. They want to see what you're really about. And so they will go deep and wide depending on what they actually need from you. And I know if you look at my profile, I have emojis in my title <laughs> or in the headline of whatever it is you want to call it. What recommendations do you have around that? Because that's very often, if I'm searching on LinkedIn, I'll see a list of names and I'll pretty much, that's all I see is the title and maybe location and maybe current job or something like that. So the emojis, I would say, really is going to depend on your archetype. So if you are a more playful archetype, you're probably going to use emojis. If you're a more hard-hitting rebel kind of archetype, you're probably not going to use emojis. But what I would like to see for people in that descriptor underneath your name is a descriptor of what you actually are. So don't just write CEO of whatever your company is. What is it that you're actually doing in the world? What is the mark, the legacy that you're trying to leave behind? And put that as your title, because that's way more interesting. That's going to tell me way more about you than you're the CEO of blah, blah, blah. And then you blend in with all the other CEOs. Right. That's good. Good advice. So we've got the profile. Um, how do we, what are your recommendations around connecting and networking on LinkedIn? Don't hit people over the head with a pitch on your first message, right? We're all used to being like slapped. You open the message, you're like, oh my gosh, you know nothing about me and you think you're going to solve all my problems, but you don't even know what my problems are yet. So approach it like you would a human conversation. When you and I got on this call, we both asked each other, how's your day going? How's your week been? Start up with something like that. That is way more disarming than trying to showcase your expertise and tell them that they need what you have to do. I had someone this week <laughs> write me that we know that you need a UX designer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I do? Really? Right. And so I write back like, how well is this messaging working for you? Because I like to play that game and actually have a conversation about how people are trying to market themselves. But for most people, they're just going to go, I don't need a UX. I don't even know what a UX designer is. I don't need one. Next. And so they're going to completely ignore your message. So when you ask, keep it simple. One or two lines but ask them a question that is personal to them. And something as simple as how is everything going is hyper-personal to them. And you'd be surprised at what people will write back. I've had people write me multiple paragraphs about their life story, their professional story. I've had people give me a thumbs up, which to me is just a challenge to try and get them to give me something other than an emoji back. 
that's supposed to be people shut down as the thumbs up. But you have the opportunity to actually start building some connection. And you're probably going to have to pen pal back and forth a little bit before you get them onto a phone call. And that's a good thing. You want to look at this large number of people that you're going after and narrow it down to the people who are actually most appropriate to talk to, who are most likely to buy from you, and then get those people on a call. So you don't want to be trying to be everything to everybody. You don't want to try and have a conversation with everybody. Otherwise, you might be doing 30 hours a week of phone calls and getting zero sales because you're not talking to the right people. It's funny you said about the message. I had one today as well. And it, the first thing they suggested was jumping on a call. I said, that's I am something not- that's happening. Yeah, that's something that I'm finding is happening with multi-level marketing companies. A lot of people are just like jumping right to the phone call on that first meeting. And I'm like, I don't even know if we have anything in common or that we have anything to talk about, or if I even am going to like you and want to give you 30 minutes of my time. So that's another very off-putting tactic that I'm seeing a lot of as well. And and what about, it sounds to me like you're building the relate. it's very much building a one-to-one relationship building through the messaging system. Absolutely. Um, What about the other side of it, the content side of things? How much should people be post i think i heard a i quote it quite often and i can't remember where i got it from but apparently the average person on facebook goes on facebook 17 times a day and the average person on linkedin spends 17 minutes a week now that i don't know if that's true but it probably it's probably something equally diverse so how often should you be posting what kind of content should you be posting what are the things that you recommend around that Are you a real estate investor or related business professional or owner looking to build your personal brand and business and stand out from the crowd? The first step is to understand where you stand right now. You can do that with the Business Optimizer Assessment. It's something that we've created that's already helped real estate investors and other business owners to define and develop their personal brands and grow their revenues. Take the free assessment and complimentary report and follow-up strategy call by going to paulcopcut.com forward slash B-O-A. That's Paul Copcut, C-O-P-C-U-T-T.com forward slash B-O-A. So the cadence that tends to work really well is about 10 pieces of content per month. So what I work with my clients is two one week, three the next week. So go Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So then every other day you're putting something out there. Now, I'm not saying those 10 pieces of content have to be video content where you're under pressure trying to be smart and create something that is entertaining and brilliant and enlightening. I would suggest one piece of video content per month, per week, sorry. So you get about four per month. And then you can reinforce those concepts through articles that you write or a visual graphic that you're using. So you're not having to come up with 10 completely different things. Come up with four things per month and then make four those four things into videos and then break the concept into other pieces through those other types of content so that you are reinforcing the topics that you talk about and you stay on topic. You you stay very concentrated with what you're doing and you can show more of that mastery. The more you talk about the same things over and over again, the more you get known for those things. The interesting thing is, are you saying all content should be expertise or thought leadership driven or is there room for the personal post, the more personal? There is room for personal. But what we're seeing, there's a lot of people complaining right now that 
oh my gosh, LinkedIn is turning into Facebook. I don't want to see the cute cat video that, and some people are creating, like they're getting a ton of engagement with it, but it tells me nothing about, I've seen people grow their accounts really fast with all this like fluff, which is fine but I know nothing about their expertise. And LinkedIn is still an expertise platform. So you can bring in the personal side, but what I suggest is you bring it in and tie it into your professional side. Because you can take a picture, like I could take a picture of me running, talk about doing the four by four by 48 and how the grid for that relates to my business. Or I could just talk about running and doing the four by four by 48 and people have no idea why I was doing that, how it relates to anything that I'm doing. It's cool, but it doesn't actually add value to my business or tell you much about me aside from that, this the brag post. So if you're going to do the brag post, still tie it into your business so that it makes sense. It creates that congruency. Make a little bit of a story connection between the exactly. personal to the professional. That makes tons exactly. of sense. Now, you mentioned earlier archetypes. So I do want to touch on this because I, I went to your website and had a look at the, the questionnaire. I didn't fill it in. So I'm intrigue I'll, I'll probably go back and do that um, so you describe yourself as the arsonist which initially i was whoa okay that's bold and a little bit different that's an archetype um, i'm assuming from the things so my main archetype is actually rebels okay but the arsonist fits into the rebel archetype so there's 12 main archetypes that exist in the world they exist through history they exist across countries and cultures and even through mythology, different archetypes come up. And what they are really ways that we operate in the world, the way that we view it, the way that we interact with information, the way that we interact with people, our tendencies towards maybe heroics or cowardice. And so no matter what your archetype is, it's not that. Like some people, when I do their archetype and they're like, oh, I don't want to be that. And I'm like, you are. Let's look at the positives and the negatives of this and how we can leverage those strengths and weaknesses in the right spot. The way that I work with it, there's actually five sub-archetypes that I work with within those 12. So there's actually 60 that I look at when I'm working with someone and cracking them open and trying to figure out how they actually operate in the world. But once you have that, what I find is I write the descriptors for you and tell you how I see you, how the world sees you and how you see you. And what that does, it suddenly has this light bulb moment for people where they go, oh, I'm not a freak. How I am is actually okay. And I can use this to my advantage without having to put up a facade that I'm something else. And I've worked with clients where they're like, I'm this, but this is actually what I want to be. And when they try and create their content with a thing that they're not trying, they actually are not, you get this ick feeling. You get the creeps from what they're doing because you can feel it's contrived. It's not genuine. It is not real to who they are. And when you do that, you're going to get caught in your facade at some point. So why not stay with who you actually are? And lean into that and find the strengths and find the dimensions that you can apply to different situations so that you are actually bringing your best value, bringing your best self, bringing your real self to the world to actually change the world with what you know. And that can attract people and conversely, it can also repel people, which is fine because those probably are not people that you want to work with or engage with anyway. Is that? Exactly. Yeah. Like division of your audience is not a bad thing. If you're trying to walk the line of being likable, you're probably not being really you. And you're going to attract people that you don't really like seeing on your schedule. But if you are true to who you are, you're going to have people who love you and you're going to have people who hate you. Yeah, the haters can hurt your feelings when they troll on you, but you're not going to pay attention. You're not going to create content for them. You're going to focus on the people that you love. 
And those are going to be the people that you're going to enjoy seeing on your schedule that you actually love working with. So the more true you are to yourself, the more you are going to polarize, but it also starts to eliminate those potential phone calls that are not going to be a good fit eliminates those potential clients who are not going to be a good fit and starts to allow you to focus on the people that are actually going to be your best value for your time and your energy when you're working with people. Right. Now, I I have to ask the question, how does a retired dentist become a personal brand and LinkedIn expert? If people go to Angela's LinkedIn profile, you'll find out that she used to be a dentist in Canada. Tell us a little bit of your story. So when I first graduated from dental school, I was super shy. And so I worked with kids for the first four and a half years. And then I decided it was time to level up, bought a practice, stepped into the boots of the 78-year-old dentist. And I was 28. So there was a five-decade difference between us. I was the shy little wallflower. He was the boisterous, charismatic dentist. And what happened was I ended up having to come out of my shell and step into a greater potential than I had before. Unfortunately, after building my dream practice, becoming a referral-based practice for people who are afraid of the dentist, I got injured and it was a permanent injury. So my world went spiraling out of control. I had no idea who I was supposed to be without a drill in my hand. And everyone was advising me that I needed to keep my practice because I'd built a really great brand in the industry. But honestly, every time I walked in, It was like someone tore a scab off my heart and it just hurt. So when the oil crisis hit in 2015, my practice was in Calgary, which is totally oil-based. I saw the economy go super fast. So I decided to sell and get out. Then I decided to take a break from dentistry, went back to dancing full-time professionally, built Unleashed Dance Company. And in the first six months that we became the second largest adult-based Latin company in our city. And that time away to just move and be away from dentistry and not have people from the industry look at me with pity allowed me to start seeing how all these pieces of what had transpired from the owner dying halfway through the deal to getting sued by my employees to losing my career, like worst case scenario, how I could take those silver linings and reach back in the industry and help pull other dentists forward so they didn't have to suffer through that. To get that company noticed, I took to LinkedIn. And started talking about what I knew about branding and niching and passion. And in a year, I went from 200 to 12,000 dental industry followers. And then people started to go, how did you do that? And can you do that for me? So I started to experiment with theirs because I wasn't sure if I was a uniform with what I'd done or if it was actually replicatable. So I played with a few of my colleagues' accounts and I was actually able to replicate my results. So I launched Unleashing Influence in January 2020. Two months later, pandemic hit, and my two and a half full-time team members said, you know what, you can lay us off because everyone else is getting laid off. And I said, nah, we're going to hunker down and see what we can do with this. By 10 months into the pandemic, we were at 14 full-time team members because a lot of the people that I knew were speakers. They were people who were used to going to networking meetings. They were used to speaking from the stage. And so suddenly their ability to fill their pipeline was completely gone. So they had to learn how to get on camera and sell themselves and build their personal brands. In January 2021, I decided to move to Nicaragua and avoid snowflakes. And (laughs) a few months into being here, I realized I had built a monster that I hated. I had too many companies. I had too many team members. I was pulled in too many different directions. So I started divesting and decided to pick what were my best skills from each of the companies, pull them into one offering, which turned out to be personal branding. 
because I get to use my dance skills to teach physicality on camera. I get to use my business coaching skills from Dead Street to teach people how to build their business and automate behind the scenes. And then the social media side of things, I get to help people to leverage LinkedIn, package themselves so that they can actually change the world with what they know. Love it. I'm guessing one of your brand attributes has to be resilience. <laughs> it say must, that one, more time. one of your brand attributes has to be resilience because I'm thinking yeah. those yeah. stories you've just shared that for most people even one of those things happening would have been enough but and I've been called a phoenix over and over again and I decided right. instead of going with phoenix I liked arsonist better because it felt more in control that ah. I was burning down what wasn't working and rising when I I love it. Okay. I, okay. I get that now. That's wonderful. Do you have a, a favorite personal brand yourself and why? There's people out there that I admire what they're doing. Obviously, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of those people that we admire because he's just, he's just who he is. He says it like it is. He swears. <laughs> if you ask him a question, he's going to give you exactly what he's thinking. And those kind of brands are what I actually admire the most because they feel trustworthy. They're not going to say one thing in this situation and one thing in that situation. They're very black and white and blunt. There's no filter on their mouth at all. So you get a very honest answer. So those are the kind of brands that I admire the most. I shared a story. I had the good fortune of both meeting Gary Vaynerchuk and speaking on the same stage once as well, which was cool. Amazing. But when I met him, his first book or second book, Crush It, was out and it was big and he was speaking in Toronto. And I was meeting a friend at Starbucks prior to going to hear Gary talk. And he walked in. He walked into the Starbucks. And I had to copy the book with me. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm never going to get this chance. So I did the fan thing and asked for the autograph. And he took the book, put it to one side, said, sit down, tell me about yourself. What are you up to? And I couldn't believe that he would even take the time to do that. But that is who he yeah. is. It's exactly totally. who he is. He loves meeting people. He loves finding out what people are up to. And he loves being able to make a difference, I think. That was the thing that struck me with him. And I thought, and I walked away from that. I thought, wow, that's, and he, he's manic with the time that what he packs into a day. And yet he still had time to sit down for 10, 15 minutes. And yes. I thought, yeah, great personal brand. And he's evolved as well. I think that's the other thing. If you look back at his videos from very early on, he was very green, very inexperienced, and, but he's evolved and changed and evolved and changed. So that's good. What about a favorite business book or podcast? My favorite book is still The 4-Hour Workweek. And I honestly, I re-listen to the audio or read the book at least twice a year. And every time I do, it always reminds me about simplification. What are the things I can burn down and get rid of that I don't need to be doing so that I can get more and more focused? So it's one of my favorite reminders. Good. Yeah, good, good book. I mean, he's yeah basically opened up the world to everybody in terms of what's possible around remote living or nomad living or whatever else. And do you have a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using? Honestly, it's an audio resource. The room I'm in right now is actually quite echoey. And I got introduced to this app called crisp.ai, K-R-I-S-P. And like I was looking at building this portable thing that I could take with me that was filled with noise condensers right. so that I could Take, do these interviews wherever I am. And the crisp.ai has made such a difference compared to what it actually sounds like that I may not actually have to build my little goat, my little makeshift project mm. to make it work. So if you're having audio problems, that is something I'm definitely recommend. That's a great little tip. I like that. That's excellent. And how can people find out more about you? Where best connect with you? 
LinkedIn is a great place. So you can find me as Dr. Angela Rooney, or if you want to check out my website, it's unleashinginfluence.com. You can take the quiz about archetypes on there, and you can also book a 30-minute discovery call with me. Wonderful. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, thank you for joining us today, Angela, and sharing your insights. And I, I would, I definitely would encourage, I, particularly for the real estate investors listening to this, that LinkedIn is a very underutilized platform by real estate investors. And there is so much opportunity, way more. You'll find out way more about people on LinkedIn than you will on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else. So highly recommend it. Thank you, Angela. Have yourself a brantastic day. Thank you. Thanks. See you as well.